Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Jesus, as we get ready for your word, as we approach your throne, as we seek your face this morning in the written text, it's my prayer, God, that you would establish yourself firmly in our hearts through your word. That God, something between the words I say and the words they hear and the air uh, that's between us, that you would cancel out principalities, that your word would be enough, that God, you would supernaturally delete the parts of my personality that would want to use preaching trickery to pull emotional strings. God, you would let you be enough this morning. And that what happens here would honor you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys feel good? Online, you feel good? Feel good at home? feel good here. It's good to be here sort of in Greenville. Can we turn this down a little bit? I just feel like if I start shout and I'm going to blow the speakers out. Um, Greenville for me feels like home. Uh, It feels like home to my wife. We were driving through this morning and she was like, look at all the leaves. She was so excited. But it is, it's always good to be home in Greenville because I get to see family and uh, friends that I haven't seen in forever and and catch up on life. And so um, I brought some friends with me. Uh, and uh, I'll introduce them to you. That was Megan Lambert that, that led us in worship, and she's uh, one of our very, very best friends. We fight like brother and sister, and it's the most fun. Um, and then Daniel, Bu- uh, I almost called him Buford. That would have been funny. Daniel Gutierrez is uh, really, honest and truly, one of my very best friends, and I get to work with him every day, and, and he's also with with the rare exception of the guy standing next to him, one of the most talented musicians that I know, which leads me to Joey Loman, who has been a friend, um, but that friend that sticks closer than a brother because when I couldn't go to my own family for help, Joey let me live on his floor, and when I didn't have any food, Joey fed me, and when I didn't have any clothes, Joey clothed me. And Joey was Jesus to me. So I'm, I'm grateful this morning. I just, I need everybody at home to give me a minute because I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here in the house that my friend built, that Jesus, like 
you guys don't understand this at home if you haven't watched this journey, but this, this is the third version of this. Because Jesus likes to work harvest out seasonally. And so you plant and then you harvest and you plant and you harvest and you plant and you harvest. And this is the third planting, but the harvest is growing. So I'm grateful for your pulpit this morning. I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of you because I don't know if I'd have stayed with him. I'm just saying it out loud. Um, I mean, I love him and all, but nah, I would have stayed. He's a great guy. Thanks, guys. Um, So we want to, I mean, I have a message. And I'll just, I'll, I'll just make a confession to you guys. Told, I, Pastor Fred called me and said, hey, uh, actually, I think Aaron texted me first, and then I, I happened to just be talking to Fred and said, you know, so here's the, here's the deal. I don't know about coming up, man. I said, you know, it's, I teach all the time. It's sort of what I do now, and I, and I, don't, I don't have a problem teaching, but I just I haven't been in, in that environment. I haven't been in the pulpit. I, want, I mean, if it's going to be for you, I want you to have the best. And he was like, no, you're who I asked for. I thought I was the last one on the list, um, but... So, so I'm flattered to be here, but also I, I, I'm nervous, and I don't get nervous often, and I, don't, I rarely ever really honestly get nervous, but I'm nervous. I'm going to tell you what I'm nervous about. I don't care about y'all. Um, I'm nervous because what I want to teach you this morning, I think, has the ability to be impactful on the eternities of hundreds of millions of people. I, I think that not, not, on, not the people watching, it's not like, oh, a technology thing, we can reach lots of people. I think there's enough kinetic power, energy uh, in this room that if everyone here absorbed what I was going to teach this morning and took it as gospel truth and ran with it and let it impact their lives, then it has the potential to shake the foundations of our world and I'm nervous to handle that. Have you guys ever seen um, like old Westerns when they're going to try to blow up the train tracks and the guy's got the old dynamite, but it's the old clanky kind of dynamite? Joey knows. They made those movies when he was young. Um, so they were, um, but the clank, and, and they shook the whole time they were taking the dynamite to the track. And you see it, and you're wondering when the TNT is going to accidentally blow off their arms and legs. Like that's sort of the nerve. Now you get an idea of the nervous energy. <laughs> inside my wife's laughing because she knows it's true and she can feel it too um but that's kind of what I feel right now but so let's get into it uh I believe and I'm just going to make this bold declaration I made it to my friends earlier this week so that you guys wouldn't be the first people hearing it I believe that God has called me to a ministry of the miraculous uh I, I felt that as a teenager, as I got saved, I, I grew up in a church that um, gave me plenty of latitude to see the miraculous happen. Uh, but I also only had examples of the miraculous in a ministry setting that involved people rolling golden pianos out on the giant stages in front of uh, stadium audiences and waving coats at people. And, and so I only ever saw the miraculous happen like that and I couldn't rectify in my mind how the miraculous was going to happen through me like that and so for the longest time what I did from a ministry standpoint is what I'm doing right now I taught 
And I traveled and I prayed for people and I, and I got to be witness to miracles. I got to participate in miracles, but I never fully stepped into ministry in the miraculous, like where I could own it and say, this is my gift. It's my thing. Now, we, it's funny because we even talked about over dessert last night. We talked about the, the, having the faith to believe that you have everything God says you have. And I, I had confessed that, like, God, I believe that if you want me to heal someone, all you've got to do is shout real, real loud, go heal that person. I mean, you're going to need to put it on a billboard, make it clear, because I'm going to step out, and I'm going to go pray, and I'm going to believe, and I believe that the prayer of faith will make them well in the name of Jesus. I believe what the Word says, but being called into a ministry of the miraculous, it's just different. And it's weird to say. It's weird for me to hear, even saying it's you. And so over the last year or so, I've got a friend who's here, and he keeps incessantly droning on without end that I'm going, like, yeah, one day you're going to plant a church. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready to plant a church. Let's go. Let's plant a church. Over and over. And everybody's shaking their head. Okay, shut up, all y'all. So, um, and, and right now, it's just, I don't feel like that, that God's calling me to that, but for the longest time, what I, what my, my response was, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's Fred's job. Fred's planted a church. That's fine. Jesus doesn't need another church. He's got them on every corner. And that was sort of my response. And then what I felt like the Lord sort of pushing me into was that I'm not calling you to plant a church. I'm calling you to finally step out in your ministry. And so today, as we celebrate you, is sort of my first day on the job. So I told, I told Megan and, and Daniel, I said, so we're going to make a declaration. And so today I'm believing for the miraculous. And so, but, but I said I had to do some study because I, I, I like to teach. And so we're going to figure out how to get the miraculous to happen. I believe that there are really five rules. There are five rules to see the miraculous happen. And if we can all get on page with this five rules today, then maybe we'll see God show up and do something awesome. The first rule happens to be that the rules don't apply. Um, and I know that sounds a little counterintuitive that we're going to have five rules, and the first one is that none of them matter. But let's, honestly, none of them matter. This is what I see in Scripture when the, when the rules happen, when, when Jesus shows up, the rules never apply to him. The rule, like, he heals a blind guy by spitting in some mud and putting it in his eye, but he never repeats that. He, he heals a leper just by saying, go wash and show yourself to the priest, but he never repeats that. He heals someone's daughter just because they say, you don't even have to come to my house. But he didn't go to their house. But Jesus, so you telling me Jesus could have walked through the city and healed everyone sick? Yeah, he could have, but he never did it. He never repeated the process to produce the miraculous. Not one time does he, re- he, does he repeat the process. So production then can't be about the process when it comes to the miraculous. But what I know and what I see over and over and over is people who come and they're like, I've been coming to this altar at my church for 25 years waiting to get my back healed. But maybe the all, you're repeating a process that has not worked. Could it be that Jesus is asking you to change the process? I have friends, and, and, and I'll be candid. Like, Look, I've been married 15 years as of last month. It hasn't all been sunshine and roses. She has to actually live with this. 
She has tried lots of things to make this better. She's never failed to find a new process. Because she wants this to be miraculous. Sometimes we have to try, as, as a couple, some, some marriages need to be healed because you try a new process. Some marriages need to be reunited by, and you need to take everything you know and push it to the side and start over and try something else. Some, some healing needs to come through process, but it has to be a process that you might not know yet. Jesus never repeats it. There's, there's, a, couple of good, there's a couple of good stories. I, so there, there's one that I love more than most, though. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings, and it's Elisha. We're going to talk a lot about Elisha this morning. So Elisha goes through this particular part of Shunem a lot, and he befriends this very wealthy family. And the wife in the wealthy family says, man, you know, he's a man of God. We know he's a man of God. Now the, now the husband, he's kind of on the fence about it. He's actually kind of a pagan. Later on, she goes to visit him, and he goes, it's not the Sabbath or the new moon, so why are you going to see the prophet? So he's believing all kinds of stuff. Like, he's sort of mixed up about it. But what he does know is this guy's got some power. And she says, why don't we build this dude? A, a, like, they put, a, they put a mother-in-law suite on top of the house, basically. Like, let's build, let's build Elijah an apartment. Let's put him up top. So when he stays here, when he comes through, he can stay with us. And they kind of take care of him. They offer him some food. And he's got this other dude. So it's not like a small thing because he's got a friend with him all the time. Gehazi was his name, man. You'd hate to have that name. He'd get bullied in school for sure. But Elisha and, and Gehazi come through, and Elisha one day goes, man, she's been so nice to us. Is there anything? Like, we should bring her a gift. Now, think about this. Like, he's, he's really saying, is there anything we can do for her? And, and normally, like, we come to visit people. We're like, let's get, a, let's get a bottle of wine. Let's get some flowers. Let's get some chocolate. Let's get something to bring to them when we come. And Gehazi looks at him and goes, well, she ain't got a kid. What kind of box of chocolate is that? You're trying to get somebody a baby? I'm talking about chocolate. That's so weird. Gehazi, why would you even bring that up? But okay, let's do it. And he says, go get her. Like, think about that. Go get her. And he, she walks in. And he goes, um, so I see that you don't have a kid. And she's like, and this is a great story. She says, uh-uh, don't talk about kids. Like, they've been trying to have kids for a long time. They're wealthy, and their wealth is going to disappear the moment her husband dies. There's no one to leave it to. Her security goes away. Because this isn't just a baby. Like, there are a lot of people who long for children, like legitimately long to have children, can't have children. They try everything. I've got friends that have gone through round and round and round of IVF. We've prayed for them. I, you know, had hope for them. And that just not, it's, that's not going to happen for them unless God intervenes with a miracle. And, 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 this, and they want it so bad. But it's not. what if it was like not only can you not have a kid, but if something happens to you and you haven't had a kid, you also lose your house. And you lose your livelihood, the, the ability to create. And we're going to take all your possessions and divide them out to the rest of your male relatives. And I hope one of them picks you up on his team. Like, that's, that's where she was. And so for her to say, don't even say that to me, think about the despair that she has to be in. That she, she would rather have her life destroyed than have hope for the miraculous. And he ignores her because Elisha's kind of a gangster. And he says, no, no, no. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. The baby grows up. 
He goes to work with his daddy. He has an aneurysm or something weird in a field, passes out. She takes the, the, take the baby home, give him to his mother, and she immediately goes to the prophet. Now, I love, like, I love the story, and I'm trying to just spend a little bit of time because I want you guys to understand how crazy this story is because she gets, uh, she gets on a donkey. She tells, her, she tells her servant, don't slow down. Unless I fall off this thing, you keep going. And they run to the prophet. Elijah sees her goes, something's wrong with her, but God's not telling me. Gehazi, go find out what's wrong. And he runs out, and she's, he goes, hey, man, man, whoa, 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 is everything wrong? She's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, because he can't help her. I think some of us have been, like, talking to all of our friends about our problem, but not our Jesus about our problem, and he can't, they can't help you. Sometimes you have to sidestep all the other people to get to the master. She says, no, I'm good. Just give me to your master. And when she got to Elijah, she got on her face before him and grabbed his heels. Now, there's a really cool thing. Like, there's a word... Uh, in Hebrew called Barak, and it means to worship. When we say, when we hear, when we read in the Old Testament, it says worship the Lord, um, one of the words that they use a lot is the word Barak. And what that actually physically means, a Hebrew would understand this, is that you would lay down on your face, prostrate. And so she worships Elijah's God. She says, I will prostrate myself in front of you. But then she takes this extra step and she grabs his heels she said, my worship is going to be here, but I'm not letting go. And he says, Gehazi, run ahead and go fix this problem. She says, uh-uh, I'm not leaving until you come. See, some of, us, some of us need to be in a place of desperation where we're going to grab onto Jesus' heels. And if we have to drag him kicking and screaming into our problems, we're not letting go of Jesus until he comes with us. Because, you know what? A servant can't help it. I can't send some pastor to go. I need Jesus in that room with me. I don't, I don't need Aunt Betty and her prayer team. I need actual Jesus to come. Like, right? And so you can't. you got to have actual Jesus if you're going to have actual miracles. And Elijah goes back with her, and he says, Gehazi, do me a favor. Take my staff, run along, run along head, put it on the baby. Go put it on the boy, lay it on his forehead. Now, what's that going to do? Nothing. I, I, maybe he thought it was going to do something. Because he, he has a process, too. All of his power, all of his, he had this staff that he wielded, and that was like the Lord's promise. And he, he said, go, go lay the Lord's promise on the baby. And I'm, I'm sure, I am sure Elijah thought he was going to show up and the kid was going to be fine. Because he gets there, and Gehazi has to do that quiet confession. You ever had a kid get in trouble and have to come tell you about it, but it's in public? Am I the only one? Where a kid, like, accidentally broke something in a store and has to now come tell you, like, hey, hey daddy, uh, mm. I broke this vase on aisle six. We're going to have to buy that today because I'm pretty sure the guy at Target saw me. Y'all ain't nobody. That's never happened to me either. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it probably happened to Kelly, though. Uh, but he had, So he gets there, and Gehazi runs out to meet him, and Elijah's like, what's going on? Is everything good? And he's like, nah, he's still dead, bro. He's still dead. He's still dead. He's real dead. I saw him in there. He ain't moving. Like, that's the quiet confession that he had to have. And then Elijah gets in there, and he, he sees him, and he's like, dang sure dead. Like, he walks in, he's like, you know, Gehazi ain't never been a liar. He ain't never been a liar. He ain't never been a liar. He did tell me he was dead, and he is still dead. And that's the truth. Look at him. He's like, I don't know. I'm having this moment where I see this story, and it's so funny to me. And, and, he, goes, and he goes, all right, get out. Everybody get out. Everybody get out. And he shuts the door to just him and the baby. And he, goes and he does this weird thing where he goes and lays on this kid mouth to mouth, and he just lays there, stares at him. Can you imagine if the kid woke up right then? 
and there's some old, <laughs> old dude just laying on him face to face. Oh, that's how it happens in my head. And nothing, and it doesn't work. And he gets up and he walks. He, the Bible says he starts walking back and forth. Have you guys ever been so desperate you just walk back and forth? You don't know what to do. You just walking back and forth like, Jesus, you got to do something right now. And I don't mean tomorrow. I don't mean tonight. I mean right now, Jesus. I've been in those situations. I've seen people in those situations. It is not fun. It is not good to look at. You can see and smell the desperation. And he goes, I don't even know what to do. I'm going to go lay back on this kid again. And he just, you, you guys have never been in a position where you're just trying stuff and just trying stuff and just trying, you're just trying to figure out a way and you just try all these different processes. But what he knew was he could not come out of this room with a dead baby. And so I, I believe if he would have laid on that baby and nothing happened, he would have shook it. He would have thrown it across the room. He would have patted it on the back. He would have puppeted it and walked out like, hey, mama, I'm fine. Like he would have done something, but he could not come out of that room with a dead baby. What, what I hope is that the, what I hope is that the attitude of perseverance where we refuse to leave the room with the problem we came in there with would be the center anchoring thing of our hearts if we're going to see the miraculous. Because if the rules don't apply and the process doesn't have to be repeated, then and we believe, right? Do you believe that God wants to give good gifts to us? He wants us to operate in the miraculous. He wants us to see people healed. He wants, because that's a sign for unbelievers like prophecy and tongues. Like he wants all the gifts to be running. He wants all of that stuff to be happening. And if that's what he wants and that's not what we have, then he's not broke. Our process is. He can't be broke. So if the rules don't apply... There's one more example, and I'll give it to you quickly. There's two stories in the Bible where Jesus feeds the 5,000. He feeds 5,000, he feeds 7,000. So he feeds the masses twice. In the first story, he goes to the disciples, and he says, hey, look, these people, I can't send them away. They'll faint. Um, so the scripture says, let's, let's read this scripture together. It says, when Jesus heard what happened he withdrew by by boat privately solitary place hearing this the crowds followed him right so they they come to him and they on foot from the towns and when jesus landed he saw a large crowd he had compassion on them he healed their sick uh, as evening approached the disciples said hey look this is a remote place there's no place to get food around here it's getting late you got to send these crowds away jesus you understand he said well we'll send the crowds so they can go buy food in the villages he said they don't need to go away you give them something to eat. He says, we only have five loaves, two fish. And he said, bring them. And he directed them, right? And so there's another, and you guys all know the rest of the story. He gave thanks, he broke, they had leftovers. There's another version of this story where he feeds more people. And he says to the disciples, I sent them away to go get something to eat. And they say, Jesus, if we fed all these people, it would take over half a year's salary. It would take over half a year's salary. The connotation is, he said, they said, do you really want us to go get this food, Jesus? The connotation there is that they had the money. 
They had the resources. So there's two examples here where Jesus feeds the masses, and one, and one thing he has the resources, and one thing he doesn't. And all that tells me is that Jesus does not care about our current situation to get us the miraculous. Whether you have the resources or you don't have the resources, if you have the faith, you have enough. I love that he made them carry extras. I think that's why he made them carry extras. Because if you read the text, there's enough baskets for each of them to have one. Right? So everybody that said, we don't know what we're going to do, had to carry a basket. And then the next, so the actual way it works is that he tells them that they, they say we have enough money, don't use it. And then this is what's going on. I'm just playing. So they say, Lord, we have money. And he says, I don't know what to do. You go feed them. And they say, well, this would take so much money. And he says, well, go spend the money. No, he doesn't. He says, bring me what you do have. And he takes their little and makes it much. And he doesn't need their resources. There we go. Hey, there we go. He doesn't need their resources at all. And then he makes them carry extras so they can remember the lesson, we don't need your resources. And then they come to him again and they say, Jesus, we're back at it again. There's 7,000 people this time. You've got to send them away so they can go get food. And he goes, well, what do you have? And they didn't even bat an eye that time. We got fish and bread, Jesus. We got fish and bread. Here's our resources. They didn't even talk about the money. They didn't have any more money. The money was spent. Probably gave it away to the poor because he's Jesus. But they said, here's what we do have, and we know that will be enough. And then he still let them carry away extras. Because he said, if you believe that I am enough, I will always be enough. Because he will always rise to the level of your belief. The second rule for miracles is that miracles always appear to serve someone else. I got a, a, a couple places in my life where I need a personal miracle. And for the longest time, I've been begging God to let me have one, for let, to let me manifest my own miracle, to let me have this thing that I'm desperate for to, to be in my life, this part of my relationship with him and this healing in another relationship. And I've been asking God for the miraculous, but... Until recently, I did not come to grips with the revelation that I cannot manifest a miracle meant for me. Jesus didn't do it. When he was tempted on the mountain, he'd been fasting for 40 days, and the devil said, you're hungry, right? And he said, of course I'm hungry. He said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus could have easily made stones into bread and fixed his own problem. But even Jesus would not manifest a miracle for himself. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Can we flip that slide? Jesus said, you know the word. That man lives out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Even then, even when the enemy was against Jesus... Jesus would not manifest a miracle for himself. There's a, a story like two chapters after the Shunammite woman where Elisha meets a guy named Naaman. And Naaman is the captain of the guard for Israel's biggest enemy. This group of raiders that keeps coming in. Um, 
and Naaman has a, has a story. He's like the guy that all the guys want to be and all the girls want to be with. Like he's that guy. Um, he's basically the Daniel Gutierrez of his day. Um, and, uh, but Naaman has a secret that you know, underneath, his, underneath his plate of armor and underneath all his shiny stuff, he's leprous. And he keeps it covered and nobody sees it and everybody reveres him. But underneath all of the revelry and underneath all the respect and underneath all the accomplishments and underneath all the honor and underneath all the wealth and under, he's dying and no one sees it. And, he, and, he, and a little Israelite girl that is his wife's slave girl says, there's a prophet in Israel. He should go see him. Long story short, Naaman gets to Elisha. Elisha says, go dip in the Jordan. And he goes, man, we got cleaner rivers back where I'm from. And a guy says, man, if he would have told you to do something amazing, would you have not done it? Like if he told you to go conquer six countries, you'd have been, we'd all be saddled up right now going to conquer six countries. He's telling you to get in the river. What's it going to hurt to try it? And Naaman goes and gets in the river and his leprosy is clean. And he comes back and he says, man, now I know that there's a God in Israel. The miracle was manifest for Naaman. When Naaman tries to pay for it, this is what the prophet says. He says, uh, if you will not, he, he says, I won't take any of your stuff. And Naaman says, well, if you will not, please let me, your servant, give as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. Even when he tried to get paid, when he tried to give an offering. And I, I'm telling you, I have seen so many services where God, Daggum pastors have said, if you want a blessing, then come on. And we're going to open up that you just come and you can lay your money on the altar. You can lay. I've seen services where people came up in the middle and said, I'm giving this blessing so that I can get a miracle. And I'm telling you, if you're watching at home, that is garbage. Complete garbage. And whatever pastor did that needs to repent. Because the miracle cannot be bought. What I know is that if the miracle is not meant for me to manifest for myself, the miracles must be meant to be manifest out of relationship. Because if I believe that God's called me to the miraculous and I can't manifest a miracle for myself, then that calling means that I'm called to you. And if I need a miracle, then somebody is called to me. Because there's always seed for the sower, the Bible says. And if God has given me a word, then that word is not for me. It's for you. And if he's given you a word, it may be for me. But I cannot manifest my own miracle because if I did, I would buy them. I would consume God's blessings instead of producing God's blessings. And it's not the economy of the gospel. The economy of the kingdom, Jesus is clear about, and he says it's always seed time harvest. Seed time harvest is plant, grow, wait, harvest. Plant, grow, wait, harvest. Not, I need it, I'm going to the store to buy it. We teach this all the time, but if I want an apple today, I'm out of luck unless I can consume it. Unless I can be a consumer, unless I can go to Publix. If I miss a resource in my current season, it's always because I failed to plant it in a previous season. 
If I need a miracle now and, and nobody around me is willing to give it to me, then I missed making a relationship in a previous season. But you cannot just go, well, I cannot get my miracle. The woman with the issue of blood bled for 12 years. She didn't have an opportunity to make the relationship. She just had to suffer. But even if she got to a place of desperation, she said, I'll take any level of relationship. Any level. I don't have to be his friend. I don't need to have to eat dinner with Jesus. I don't even need to attend a service. If I can touch his robe, if I can make any kind of contact, if I can have any sort of level of relationship, no matter how small it is, my miracle is built on relationship always. I'm, I'm convinced that you or y'all have been waiting for a miracle That someone else is supposed to manifest into your life. The problem with that is it means we need each other. In a world where we want independence. And God calls us to codependence. For us to see miracles, it means we're going to have to buck a culture. Completely. For us to be... like. Let me just say this because it's going to be unpopular. Jesus does not care who you vote for. Y'all chew on that for a second. Decide if you still want to like me. But he doesn't. You cannot police morality. You, you cannot legislate something Jesus died for. How are you going to legislate something that you think is immoral that Jesus already covered? He knew that was going to happen on the cross. Your job is to be a good citizen of heaven. Here's what I radically believe. Because I, I kind of stand in the middle, right? I'm, I don't like being wrong half the time, so I stand in the middle. I believe we wouldn't have a border crisis if Christians would take care of the poor. I believe we wouldn't have an abortion crisis if Christians would act like Christians. Because the gospel was redemptive and it's the answer, not the election. Now's the time to start. If you haven't yet, you can turn me off. Sorry, I got in my, in my bag there for a hot minute, and that was not in the notes, but we got there, and bless the Lord. Rule number three is, I don't know if we're going to be able to recover from that one. That one felt good. That felt, that felt right in my heart. Rule number three is this. Seeing the miraculous is not about growing in power. It's about growing in truth. You know that when you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit, but you got all of it. We, talk, we talked about this last night. Like there, there wasn't a second moment where you filled up. You got all the presents dropped off at the door. You opened them in whatever order you discovered them. And if you don't know, I'm talking about Corinthians because God says Jesus gave us, the Holy Spirit gave us gifts. But you can't, hey listen, 
You can't receive gifts into the house unless the Holy Spirit brings them in. And half of him didn't come in. All of him came in. He dropped off things. He dropped off gifts. Gifts are not the Holy Spirit. And so if this is true, that seeing the miraculous is not about growing in power, it's about growing in truth, then that makes all the sense in the world because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us in all truth, not power. You don't need more power. You need more truth. The example of this is the, in the Bible is that the disciples come to Jesus after failing. A, a man actually brings his child to Jesus and goes, your disciples couldn't heal him. He has a demon and your disciples couldn't heal him. Now, did Jesus walk up to the disciples and lay hands on them and give them more anointing? Nope. He handled the problem and the disciples had to do that quiet whisper. Uh, why couldn't we do that, Jesus? And he said, well, oh, because this kind only comes out with fasting and praying. He did not give them more power. He gave them more truth. If the miraculous is going to happen in your life, you've got to begin to develop a hunger for the truth. The other place that that really comes in strong is when Elisha opens the eyes like just a Two, like literally, if you've never read Second Kings, it's the most, it's my favorite book in the Bible because it's so much fun to read. But in Second Kings, Gehazi is sitting there with Elisha and the armies where Naaman comes from have said, we're, we're mad and we're going to come in and we're going to take over Israel. And they just surround them. And Elisha's like having lunch, eating some biscuits like it's nothing. And Gehazi, his, his servant, is freaking out. Like, master, we got to get out of here. It's time to GTFO. We got to go. You got to let's get it. He's unplugging. He's unplugging lamps. He's packing up the bags. He's ready to go. And Elijah says, why are you doing all this? There's more of us than there are of them. And he's looking around the room like, bro, there's two of us. And you old, you can't even swing a sword. Like you could, I had to carry your staff. Like you're like, I, you lean on me to pray. Like that's really what's going through his mind. And Elijah says, no, no, no. There's more of us than there are of them. And Elisha prays, God, open up his eyes. Open up his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened up Gehazi's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses, chariots, of fire all around Elisha. Like, think about this. God did not give Elisha power to conquer the enemy. God did not give Gehazi more power to conquer the enemy. What God did was reveal to him the truth of his situation, that even though you're here, the miraculous is happening around you. And if you'll open up your eyes to what I'm already doing, you have no reason to flee. You have, you have no reason. You have no, re, you have no reason to even come up with a new strategy. I just feel this right now. Like, there, you don't need a new strategy to put 600 people in this building. If God will open your eyes to what he's already doing. God, I just pray that over Prevail Church that you would 
open up their eyes to the work around them. That when they're at Walmart and they're at Publix, when they're walking down their street, that God, you would open up their eyes, that they would see the spiritual instead of the actual. That they would see, God, what is not in front of them in the real world, but is like open up their eyes to see what you're already doing. Help them walk their morning walks and see houses with the words divorce written over them and sickness written over them so that they know how to pray for their neighborhoods and their communities. God, help them get relationships where they, as they shake hands and hug, you, you just whisper words of encouragement into their ear to tell that other person. God, I pray that, that as they are at Walmart and they're at Publix and they're going about their day and they're getting their tires changed and they're at their day jobs and they're doing all this stuff that God you would begin to give them boldness to speak blessing in the miraculous over people's lives that you would open their eyes to be people of faith and truth the last rule for miracles and maybe my favorite rule is rule number five which is when in doubt, refer to, refer to rule number one. Is that when you've done all you can, when, you've, when you've, you're at the, your wit's end and you've been faithful to try multiple processes and you've just kept going and kept going and kept going, and when you have confessed over and over that you exist for others and that you're pouring out your heart and you feel empty because you've poured out and you're just waiting for people to pour back in. When you've, when you've done all that and you're still not seeing it, that what you would do is go back and say, well, the rules never mattered anyway. The rules never mattered anyway. What I, what I pray today is that, God, what I'm praying is that for some of us, those places that we've needed to see movement and saw no movement today would break loose. That, 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 that kid you pray for, that, that nephew that you want that's in jail, that, 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 that relationship that's on the fritz, all those things, that job that you desperately need, that hey, look, I just got laid off three weeks ago, I understand. That job that you need, that thing that you want to see, that future that you want to hold in your hand, but requires the miraculous. That God would release that today. That God, all we need is one word. All we need is one word. Jesus, I pray that you would release the prophetic right now. Jesus, I pray that you would release healing right now. That you would reveal truth to us right now. see you move power
Jesus, we want to have a posture where we can get a good grip on your heels. So we won't move unless you come with us, Jesus. We'll stay right here until you move us, Lord. I don't need your servant. I need you. I don't need a stick on my baby. I need your presence laying on him. I need, I need your physical being to touch my problem. Even if it looks weird, even if it feels weird. I'm not going to stop trying till I get it. I'm going to press in until you answer me. Until your word speaks over us. Until we see you move, we'll stay. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.